Hello and welcome to episode 92 of the Page One Podcast. I'm Marco. I'm Tarek. And thanks for joining us at the Page One Podcast, where we like to speak to writers of all kinds about their writing careers, hear how they got into the industry and try and get as many hints and tips as possible. Uh, And there is a big back catalogue of authors, screenwriters, video game writers, journalists, comedians. So uh, do check out the past episodes if you haven't already, because there's bound to be some that you're interested in. Absolutely. And we're adding another great name to the list this week. We are indeed, Marco. Today we are chatting with Simon Beckett, who is a pretty big author now, but he did a bit of a rocky start, as you as allude to in his interviews. Quite an interesting restart of sorts. Yeah, he, he sort of broke through with some standalone novels, but then... Uh, you know, ha- went through that sort of fallow period that yeah. some writers can can stumble into after um, their initial breakthrough, which obviously, as we chat in the podcast about, it, it is not something you expect. You know, you once you you know if you're an aspiring writer, once you get signed by an agent and then signed by a publisher, you think it's an upward, yeah, upward trajectory. The only way is up from here, exactly. But not always. Not always, but but the good news is, in Simon's case, it very much has gone back exactly, up to that upward trajectory. Exactly. So, and it's and 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 the success he's seen now with his um, David Hunter series of books is fantastic. Twelve million copies worldwide, number one bestseller, Sunday Times top ten, etc. You know, he's he's really done amazing work with it, and and to have kind of relaunch that after having dipped a bit is a really interesting story and journey he's got. Yeah, there's a lot no, of stuff to learn from it. it it, there definitely is, and and then he also tells us about his latest book, uh, The Lost, which mm-hmm. focuses on a new character and is the, potentially the start of a new series yeah. as well. So, um, yeah, no, it's a really uh, interesting episode. So we'll get straight into it. But before we do, we always play an advert for our Page One Notebook, which is a sort of structured writer's notebook that we've designed, divided into sections for characters, plot, um, setting and so on, um, which you can check out on our website, the link's in the bio. But we wanted to let you know that as of today, when this episode goes out, uh, the pre-orders for the new edition of The Notebook are finally here. Finally. We've finally. had to overcome so many hurdles. You're so boring, you don't even want to know about <laughs> yeah, them. No. We've finally got uh, some Some minor panics during the printing <laughs> process, but we are finally there. And The Notebooks will be, will be available to be sent out from... I think it's the 12th. So we're opening pre-orders from uh, today until the 12th of December and you'll get a discount of £5 if you pre-order in that period. And thereafter, uh, they'll be available for everyone. So you can still get them in time for Christmas if you or someone you know is an aspiring writer. Great Christmas gifts. Uh, So uh, after that, Pre-advert, we'll play. We'll play our uh, full <laughs> advert for the notebook, and then uh, we will be back at the end of the podcast with a bit more chat and to let you know about next week's guest. But for now, on with the podcast. The blank page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome, but we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So, how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? 
And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down, or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying, or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realise it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. Page one is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy to use sections that will help you plan your story so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realized you need to plan how to let people read it. So we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project, whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic, or any other kind of story. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one. Did you always want to be a writer? Um, it's always been something that I didn't enjoy doing. Um, I mean, I enjoyed writing stories at school. Um, fairly, fairly dark ones, even then, as I said. And then when I did a... Did a um, an English degree, uh, and there was a creative writing aspect in that, which I really enjoyed. But it wasn't until I was in the late 20s, really, and I had various other jobs and various other things, and that it, it sort of became something that I realised I wanted to give it, you know, give it a real go. Um, and uh, it happened, I, I, I was, um, I got the chance to work at teaching English as a foreign language in Spain. Uh, and so I got uh, the, the classes, classes were at night, so I used to have all day to uh, figure it out and pretend I was Ernest Hemingway and then realise I wasn't. So that's when <laughs> I really started, so it was in my late 20s, really, before I, I really started. And, and you, were, you, you also worked as a journalist as well? Was that at that time as well, or was that later on? That, that was a bit later. Um, I, I used to, I mean, I played in bands for a while, which was really, I enjoyed it because it was good, but... I didn't tell many people I was writing. A few people knew, but because it was, it just seemed um, not really something you could, you know, you could talk about that easily when you got nothing to show for it. Whereas with bands, you can do demo tapes. You know, occasionally you're, you know, you're recording singers or whatever. You've got live gigs, so that was quite a serious thing for quite a while. But nothing ever came of the band. Um, and then uh, later on, you know, I was still trying to get the what was actually the second novel published because the first one had just been knocked back, you know, I had rejection slips left, right and centre. And uh, I met him and said, well, why don't you try doing, being a journalist? He'd done a journalism course. Um, I couldn't actually afford to do the course at this stage as I'd been in the early 30s. And uh, I um, I thought, well, I'll give it a go. And long story about that, I, I ended up working, um, doing freelancing stuff for a, a local lifestyle magazine and then use that to get my foot in the door with uh, nationals doing features and things. Um, so that that was in my, you know, my early 30s, and about the same, I'd only just started doing that, and then the first novel was, uh, Fine Lines, was picked up off the Slush Pilot, uh, publisher called Alison Busby. 
Yeah, I, I was going to ask about uh, you know how you how you found um, your way into the industry. I mean, so Fine Lines came out I think in nineteen ninety four. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, was that just was it a case of doing the usual send three chapters to lots of agents and just just hope one replied? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, so I was, I was submitting to agents and publishers um, multiple submissions which you weren't really supposed to do, but mm. I'd be waiting. You know, don't know how long for replies. Uh, as I said, this was the one that was published actually the second novel, the first one. Um, didn't get anywhere. Um, that's still languishing in a gathering dust in a drawer somewhere. And uh, so, yeah, it was a case of just, you know, pushing away and pushing and pushing and keeping on trying, you know, um, licking your wounds when the rejection slips come back because there's always a, you know, never any shortage of those. And uh, and, and then, then, yeah, it was picked up off the switch file. So we're just completely, well, I say out of the blue, but it certainly actually happens. It's uh, not quite what you're expecting. And when you got that that um when you got the agent and and the and the, the, the book was book was uh, out in nine ninety four fine lines, it was followed quite quickly after by two standalones. Was it like a did you get like a three book deal at that point? Was it was it like a it was important for you to write books quickly? Because you had a bit of a break after that I think. Well <laughs> a break is a polite way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like actors who take breaks as well. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I, th- I can't remember, to be honest, if it was a, a one-book deal or a two-book deal. But uh, in actual fact, there was a, another book that followed closely after Fine Lines called Animals, which I don't think ever really, I don't know if it even made it into the shop. There were all sorts of problems around it. So it was a case then of thinking, well, what am I going to do? So I made the effort to try and write more mainstream thrillers because the first two books were very different to each other, sort of like dark psychological thrillerish type things. So then I made a, a, a you know um, a decision to try and write something that would, would be sort of a bit more on the obviously commercial side of things, um, and uh, so yeah, I had to, and, but again one of them I pretty much I wrote it and it was then sent off um, while I, you know so I wrote I think wrote most of it certainly uh, in advance. Um, so yeah, so I, I've never been a prolific writer, but I think there, there tends to have been gaps. And then, you know, stuff happens. And, and I mean, there was a gap. I'm, I'm just looking at the bibliography here. Uh, there was um, Fine Lines Animals, uh, Where There's Smoke, uh, Owning Jacob. But then um, it looks like there was about an eight-year gap until <laughs> until the first in the David Hunter series. Was that just a case of almost going back to the start and trying to find someone that, that wanted it? Or was it a break on your part? No, it certainly wasn't a break on my part. It was, um, it, it was, yeah, having to go back and start again. I mean, there's, there's been various, you know, points in the career where you know you think it's this, that's it, I'm done, I finished. Um, and after owning Jacob, uh, didn't didn't do very well. I was really pleased with the book. Where the smoke was actually adapted for TV, um, and uh, you know, you think, well, I thought this was going to be the, the big yeah. break thing. Um, and it went out on a Saturday and Sunday evening, quite a big, you know, event thing at the time. And on the Monday morning, I got a, a letter from the, the publishers saying it had been remainded. So um, it was, you know, I, I knew then that I was going to have to, you know, it wasn't possible for it to So for eight years, basically, I was doing freelance journalism, and that was, uh, I was still writing, 
but it was just trying to get, um, you know, trying to get somebody interested and trying to get a publisher to actually take the jump. With it. I mean, I mean, is, was that? I mean, is that, I was going to say, is that disheartening? Obviously, it probably it probably was at that time. But I mean, how you know? I think a lot of people that want to be an author would think, oh, I've got an agent. That's the first hurdle. Second, oh, I'm published. And then you've got a, a two or three books published, but then almost to have that um, sort of step back would be quite a big blow. Did you, you know, how did you, how did you keep yourself going in the, on the writing front at that point? I, th- I think you've just, you've got to be persistent with it. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to get knockbacks. Um and there's times when you think that's it, I, you know, I've I, I made it. But I don't think you ever have because, you know, there's always got to be the next book and the next book, if that's not good enough, or if it doesn't do, you know, if it doesn't perform well enough, then you could be struggling. So I've never, ever felt I could sort of sit back on my laurels. Perhaps because of all, all what happened early in my career, you always feel that, you know, it, it could be snatched away from you at any time, really, I suppose. Um but yeah, it was it was usually disheartening. But fortunately, about that, you know, I made a, uh, you know, I, uh, pushed onto the journalism and I managed to get you know interesting work and I enjoyed doing that as well because it's a very different discipline, uh, much faster turnaround, and uh, obviously, and uh, you know, it, it, paid, it paid the bills for a number of years when you know, I was you know in the novel wilderness, if you like. Does that side of things as well? Does as you say, they are very different disciplines, but obviously both involve writing. I mean, does does the does the discipline of having to do things in a fast turnaround or any other aspects of journalism journalism help you with the fiction writing as well? It, it does, yeah. Um, I mean, it. I think it made me realise how important it is to get words down. It didn't actually make me a novelist. It didn't make me a faster novelist because it still takes me a long time to actually get a novel into a stage where I think I'm, you know, where I'm happy with it. Um, so unfortunately, the, the speed side of things didn't translate from the journalism to, um, you know, to the, to the, the books. Uh, where it did come in invaluable is in terms of research, mm-hmm. uh, because with, with the journalism, you know, the, you've you've got to um, find the right people to talk to, find out the information, then present it in uh, accessible form. Uh, with with some of my my, my, my later novels, that, you know. Came about in the you know two thousands or so, the David Hunter series uh, that became. Um, I mean, there was a direct link as well, but being able to sort of not be afraid to pick up the phone and send people emails, you know, just bother complete strangers and say, "Look, write it up. Would you mind helping me?" Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, trying to assemble that information into some sort of uh, interesting story. Uh, how, are are people receptive to that always, or do you ever get someone saying, "Absolutely not. I'm not going to waste my time." I've never had anybody being rude. I've had a very odd one or two people who haven't responded, and fair enough, to be mm. honest, it's fine. Majority of people seem, you know, it's it's been great. They, you know, they seem to uh, quite enjoy doing it. You've got to be careful because I wouldn't want to, um, because you know, if you talk, particularly if you talk to police officers, forensic experts, uh, you know, they, they, their day job is <laughs> pretty serious. It's yeah. more important than mine, so you don't want to be wasting the time. But no, that's always been, um, you know, very pleasantly surprised and something I've always been, um, you know, grateful for the fact that people do take the time out to help out with these things. And when you when you had you, you said early on that your first novel, Fine Lines, 
was followed by animals, and that was quite a, a different beast of a book. And my impression, looking at your your history of of, of writing, is that you kind of the first four books or so was almost you trying to find your voice or find your place, and then it was because the David Hunter books came out, and they were obviously a series, and they were really really well received, nominated for the Gold Dagger Award in two thousand and six. Was it was it a case of you know, trying to find find your voice or or not were you reluctant to be pigeonholed into a certain area or crime genre type thing at the start? It, it wasn't that I was reluctant to be pigeonholed um, so much as that you know I don't think I ever really fitted until the David Hunter series, which was like okay, this is what I'm doing now, and I could you know that it gave me a framework. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've, I, yeah, it's, I've never really thought, thought of myself as a particular type of novelist. Um, my, my first novel, Fine Lines, I didn't never thought of it as um, as a crime novel. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'd read you know stuff like Ian Banks' The Wasp Factory, and I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And uh, so you know, and I just wanted to write a dark, compelling story. And it was only when the, the editor said, "Well, you know, you've got you've got murder." You've got betrayal, you've got duplicity, you know, what else would you call it if not crime? <laughs> and that you think, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, so it's not a case of not wanting to be rocketed about things, it's just I think, you know, but uh, and then animals is, is different again. Um, but again, if you've got a bracketed or something, it's got a bit of a crime. But um, and, and then the next two books, as I mentioned earlier, I wanted to do something that was a bit more commercial, that might would have been easy, easier to pigeon all, but even one of those didn't sit ever so, ever so comfortably in it, I suppose. So, yeah, it's not it's not something about me being awkward. I think it's just that the writing has tended to, you know, if I've got an idea for a story, it might not necessarily um, have followed on, you know, be, be a particularly easy one to uh, to stick in any category. Yeah. Uh, but the, the David Hunter obviously was um, the, the breakthrough, I suppose, um, yeah. and it obviously nominated for awards and then has gone on to become a series. Um how do you find, did you always intend to have a character that you could build on and develop like that? Or was it just something that happened because of the success of um, the chemistry of death? Yeah, it was very much because the success, as you said earlier, it's been eight years since it's been published. So at that stage, I just wanted to write something that, you know, somebody might want to publish. It it Mm. didn't go any further than that. There was no point planning um, a series or a sequel even Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if anybody would, would would go for it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until suddenly there was, you know, an agency that had offers in for this. And, you know, and, and of course you've got, you know, somebody said, one of the editors, you know, of course you've got plans for, you know, plans for a sequel in a series. And I said, oh, yeah, of course. And then you realise that you've suddenly got to. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, I tend not to, you know, it would be nice to say that I've got this master plan, this strategy and all the rest of it, but I tend to learn from one thing to another and uh, hope it works out really. And when you're writing a series like this, you know, for people out there who are also trying to write a series with a character that you carry on from book to book, how do you keep it fresh? You know, how do you, is it, is it a case of you, you start to sit down to think about the next book and you think, right, I need to top that in some way or I need to take it in a new direction? Is it, or, or is it a case of you've got to keep giving them what you know people want to read and and, and, and keep hitting those same beats? No, again, I don't try the same beats particularly. You've got to be aware of if you're not giving people what they're wanting to read, then they're not going to read it, mm-hmm. which I don't as a reader either. Um, I think it, it was more the case... 
with, with the chemistry definitely which was the first one that as i said that was that was written as a pretty much as a standalone yeah so then it was after that where the david hunter's situation that you know any spoilers had changed by the end of that that i had to start thinking about the direction of the series and i think one of the um saving graces for me i mean it made life difficult as well was that i decided that i was going to take him completely away from the setting of the first novel because he's a forensic anthropologist he's a, a freelance so he travels around as forensic anthropologists do uh, you know they go where the you know, police consultants go where they're you know across the country abroad sometimes where, wherever they you know they call out to go um so it turned out that every novel was going to be set in a completely different location with a different cast of characters so i had in, in a way, each novel I approached it, there was, I guess, there's a through line running through them, but I approached each one pretty much as a standalone mm-hmm. um, because it's it's almost like that, you know, there's a TV series on the kid man in a suitcase and each week you go to a different, you know, this, the main character would turn up somewhere else, you know, and have to meet everybody anew. So that was the same situation I was in with, with the David Hunter series. So in a way, it was enforced that it, it would have to be... Um, the, the, the formula would have to be broken up for each book uh, because it, it, it was starting from scratch to a large extent. I mean, that said, obviously, you've got to have the, the you know the same sort of familiar things that can be forensics and yeah, yeah. shops and things like that. But uh, uh, so it, that allowed me to write completely different settings, atmospheres, with different casts for each one, which I think gave each one a different flavour. But uh, does it give a I mean that's that's quite a good way of, of you know you you vary it up for yourself almost in the writing of it, but having a familiar character or characters that that, that can that can recur in these things does that give a does that help with the writing that you're not starting completely afresh on a series like that is that something that assists? I think it, again I think it probably depends on on the books and the writers. I think you know, there's no no hard and fast rule. Um, this probably for and against. Um, it would have been there are times when it would have been easier for me to have used the same characters, um, you know, from, from you know. So you've got that you've got an ensemble that you can you know go back to. Um, I did that to some extent in, in the, the, the couple of the later ones, um, but I wouldn't want them to get into the same thing as you were saying. You know, you do need to keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. And I think if it, the longer a series go on, goes on for. I think the harder that, that becomes, no matter what you're doing, no matter how you're approaching it. So I think that is, you know, um, yeah, it, it's either way, I think it's going to be for and against. Well, your your latest book is uh, The Lost, um, which is a change. This is a fresh start in many ways because it's not one of the David Hunter novels. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that and then we'll have a chat about that. Yeah, sure. It's uh, The main character is John O'Colley, who's a Metropolitan Police Firearms Officer. Um, and uh, he is contacted out of the blue one night by um, somebody he's not seen in, in years who asks him asks for his help, um, sounds desperate, and wants to meet at uh, late, you know, midnight in a, an abandoned warehouse called um, Sorter Key. And, uh, and uh, Jonah, despite obviously misgivings, decides that you know he needs to go along, find out what's happening, and because somebody's asked for his help. Um, and he gets there, and I don't want to give too much away, but it's uh, it's there's a he finds a, a fairly horrendous scene awaiting for him. Let's put it that way. Um, he's attacked, and um, as a result of that, uh, he starts um, reevaluating what's happened in his own life. 
Um, I should mention that because um, as part of his his history, uh, 10 years previously, his young son uh, disappeared. Um, and Joe has always blamed himself for that. He's always been guilty about it. And as the story progresses, he begins to suspect that what's happened in the warehouse in the present might somehow be connected to what happened 10 years ago with his son. Uh, and, you know, causes him to question everything that's gone off and who we can trust and what really did happen. And and what what made you want to explore this new character as opposed to another David Hunter novel? I think I'm always looking at story ideas. It goes back to that idea, you know, earlier on about if you get an idea for a book, you know, you want to write it, whether it necessarily yeah. can be immediately pigeonholed or not. Um, I still enjoy writing the David Hunter novels, but um, Hunter's a, a very definite type of character. He's a, he's a forensic scientist, so there's certain things, certain situations, he's not, you know, you can't really comfortably put him in. Um, and I've often thought, you know, um, yeah, it's, sometimes it would be easier if you could just deck somebody or kick a door down or get, you know, be, be more um, investigative or, or all the rest of it, but it's not really in the character's nature and it would, would seem wrong if I did that. Um, so when I got the idea for the loss, which struck me as being, you know, a different, sort of, you know, slightly different sort of thriller, then uh, you know it wouldn't have fitted as a, as a David Hunter novel. So you know, I, I thought, well, okay, let's uh, let's try something different. And it's being pitched as uh, uh, the sort of first in a series of books with Jonah Coley. I mean, does that mean that you you already have ideas where that character could go? I do, yes, um, but I know even when I, when I write a book, I've always got an idea where the book's going to go, and I don't think one of them's ever <laughs> um, So, uh, although I've got ideas for where the series is going to go, um, I'm aware that it, you know it, it's, there's, there's going to be movement there. So, uh, which is okay. And I used to, get, you know, I used to think I, I used to want to try and nail everything down before I started writing to give myself that security blanket of thinking, yeah. I know what I'm going to be doing with this, but it never worked out. So I think. Yeah, that, it, oh, sorry, go. No, no, just think that's exactly what I wanted to ask. But was the kind of planning, pantsing? You know, how much in advance do you put down on paper? Do you? We've talked before in the past. You've said that the more you plan in advance, the more bored you get writing. Almost, you know, you can lose that spark a little bit. So is it? Is it, you like to keep it just enough plot points to keep you going, but you like to find your own way there? It's again, it's not. Like I was saying earlier, I don't really have any sort of plan with it. Um, <laughs> I honestly, I would, I would love to sit down and think I've got a real, you know, a, a plan. I do plan as much as I can. And um, just once, I'd like to actually sit down and write a book and it follow the plan. <laughs> Never, ever, ever do, because I think one of those things might mine tends to be quite character-led. Uh, because uh, even though the thrillers and you know there's a lot of twisty plots going on, um, what happens in the plot? has to come from the characters, it's the way the characters behave and everything. So what I tend to find is that when I'm writing it, you know, the characters as they flesh out in my own mind, you, you realise that the plot and the characters, you know, the original plot idea, if you like, uh, don't necessarily fit. So it, it, it just changes as the, you know, the story and characters develop. And um, I do tend to have certain, almost like, I think it was sort of stepping stones, sort of scenes in my mind from later on. Yeah. Um, including an idea of what I'm going to be doing at the end. Um, and then it's a case of writing towards them, knowing that they probably will change to a large extent anyway, and uh, everything around them will probably change. But So, yeah, it's um, 
it's a, it tends to be a bit of a haphazard approach, but it, it's, you know, it's seriously what I always end up doing. And does that approach lead to sort of revising as you go, or do you like to try and just push through to the end? Like you were saying, get the words down and then sort of revisit it once once you've got a draft there. I used to try and get through to the end, um, and but I also used to try and write a thousand words a day religiously, and that didn't work out for me either. So I think it, what, what I tend to do now is I push on as much as I can, but sometimes you realise that if something's changed in one of the early chapters, that is then going to have you know, a knock-on effect in later mm-hmm. ones. Sometimes you can just think, make a note and think, okay, I'm going to go back and you know retrofit that later on. But if it's going to be something that drastically affects the rest of the things, because then it's like that ripple effect, one, you know, the butterfly effect, it's like one thing is going to change another and another and another. So sometimes you think, okay, yeah, I'm going to have to stop here, go back, redo it all, and then you know see where I end up after that. And do you do you show it to anyone as as you write? You know, is it important to you to get that space a little bit to, uh, as you as you go as you do edits and drafts, etc.? Or do you kind of work just by yourself and then and then hand it over to your agent or your editor? That's generally what I, what I, what I have done. Um, I don't show it to anybody. I do discuss it with my wife, um, mm-hmm. and we sort of you know um, she tells me if something's a good idea or not. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, send that ideas on her, and you know she pitches in as well. Um, but I've not actually got around to actually showing anybody material as yet. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be necessarily averse to doing that because I know, you know, I'm, I am conscious it does take me longer than I'd like to actually write a book, which is entirely And so, Well, I mean, I, I was going to ask that. How how long, or does it vary book, book by book, but, I mean, how long does it take you from, you know, starting to write a book to, to being happy with a draft that you can hand on to someone else? probably, you know, a good 18 months um, and certainly in some cases longer. Um, I mean, one of the hunters, I, I was doing that for ages and I had to take a break from it and wrote a standalone um, uh, still bruises and then went back to it. So all told that did take, you know, that took a number of years really. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, unfortunately I'm not a one book a year writer. I, I, I wish he was, and, you know, take that out to people who can do it that's uh, Mine never seem to be ready by then. And does that, I mean, presumably you're in a position now, though, that, you know, because I think, especially in the world of crime writing, if you're a new author, you can be, you know, you can get a, maybe a two or three book deal at the start and you then suddenly are under that that time pressure. Um, but at your stage of your career, presumably, it's it's an easier sell to editors or publishers to say, this might take a bit longer to get to get this to you. I think the thing is, I've got to be upfront with this. I think anybody who knows has got to accept it. It's not I'm not doing it deliberately. I'm not sort of swatting off on holiday or something like that all the time. It, just, <laughs> it does, for whatever reason, better or worse, it does take me longer to, to you know to get a book into shape. Um, I mean, yes, when I was younger, um, I would, uh, as you were just saying, I've got to you know I had to um, perform much more to, to deadlines, but. I think even then it was it was really creaking for me to actually do it, and uh, mm. you know there comes a point where you think I've got you know how much pressure I'm going to put myself under for this if it's if it's not going to work. Yeah. So some people it's like you know some people are sprinters, some people are marathon runners, and I think I tend to be more of a marathon pace. <laughs> and and it was a I'm sure it's a question you've been asked a lot, but writer's block is something which a lot of writers out there struggle with. It's something 
which can be the form of, you know, I just, you can't get the sentence to work at all and you're just, you're frozen with it or it can be a case of I can't even get the idea. I don't know where to go next. Has it ever happened to you? Do you ever get stuck in that point, whether it's a, a like a page or a whole book? And, and, and if so, what do you do to get past it? Um, well, I'd, I'd say all the time. But I mean, that sounds live, but actually, like, it's not. I think, um, again, that's one reason why it takes me so long. The ideas don't, don't come that readily to me, to be honest. Um, you've got to, and then you've got to wrestle into shape and wrestling, you know, to fit the you know confines of the story and the mm-hmm. characters and all the rest of it. So quite often I come to a point, and I mean, I don't think there's any such thing as one type of writer's block. Often it's a case of we get to a thing, and I think I don't know what's going to happen next. And sometimes it's not like you can't think of anything that's going to happen next. It's about which one of these various options, each one of which could take you in a, in a different direction. Yeah. Um, and, and I think some of it comes down to confidence as well. I think if you're, if you're confident when you're writing, then you're less likely to come across that. If your confidence gets knocked for whatever reason, then I think sometimes it doesn't take much just to sort of chip away and uh, then you lose that assurance in, in what you're writing. And uh, as to how to get around it, I think you've just got to, again, um, wish you knew, really. If, uh, I think the only way to do it is just keep pushing at it. And sometimes you've got to force it. Sometimes you've got to think, okay, I've got to put that on one side and either go for a walk or take a longer break sometimes and uh, and then come back to it later. But I think you've just got to, one way or another, you've just got to keep on working at it and, and try different things until it starts, starts moving again. Yeah, I mean, past guests that we've had on, you know, in fact, most of them will say that they'll get to that point in writing a novel, maybe 30,000, 40,000 words in and suddenly start to question everything that they've written you know and and i suppose that's where experience of having done it before maybe helps a little bit in saying that okay i felt like this before but i know that i can i can reach that finish line to to extend the the racing metaphor is yeah that, is that fair yeah i think i think it is and it's knowing that you, you have been there in pretty much every book I've ever written uh, at some point or another, and it's interesting because you've got about 25,000, 30,000 words. That is pretty much a, the, the level for me. Yeah. If you can generally get as far as 50, you know you're starting to pick up yeah. pages. Yeah, yeah. Any number of times I've got, you know, on different books, I've got 25,000, 30,000 words in and binned it. You just think this isn't happening and, and started from, literally started from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, yeah, but knowing that, you know, I've been here before, what, it, what I don't tend to get as much now is that sort of sense of panic of waking up thinking, I've no idea what I'm going to write, what I'm going to yeah. do, I've got a deadline, you know, you've got all the rest of it. Um, and that that doesn't help. Um, and I think, you know, that that's something that you're better off if you can sort of calm things down a little and just, you know, get get a bit of perspective about it. Um, which is, it's so psychological, isn't it? Sorry? It's it, it's so it's so kind of psychological, isn't it? I mean, a lot of the, all this stuff is you're as a writer, you're kind of by yourself in your room writing. You've got this stuff in your head, and it's and it, and trying to see the path forward. You you get stressed over it, you get panicked stuff. It's all just it's all just happening in your head, and it's just it's it's amazing sometimes how you know stepping back from the keyboard or. The, the suddenly the solution pops in your head at the most random time and 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 trying to keep that trying to not as you say try not to get yourself so worked up that you think I'll never solve this problem and just realize that it will happen it, it'll happen every book you always get that point it's normal part of the process 
we work through it and keeping that kind of even keel is really important, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Uh, and I think that's it, is it, is that keeping that even, even keel and not getting too panicked by things. Yeah. Um, because you can't, you can't know when the, the ideas are going to come. I mean, they, you know, they, it'd be nice if you sat there and they always came when you're at your desk. But they might not. it yeah. might be in the middle of the night. It might be when you went off for a walk somewhere. It might be when you're doing something completely different. And suddenly, and it, you know, something pops into your head and it's just like that little chink and you think that's the way forward and then it opens it up. Yeah. And it's just sort of trying to, um, you know, stay calm until you, until that, you get to that point. Yeah, definitely. And um, would you would you ever want to write a screenplay or anything like that? Is that something you'd be interested in? Not anymore. Um, I mean, I used I used to I had a had a crack at doing them years ago now, um, and I quite like the idea because it was a different sort of again different sort of writing would be involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, um, no, I wouldn't because I'm, you know I'm. I think it will be too different, um, and I think I'm, you know I've, I've got ideas for books. I'd rather write write the novels and let somebody else. I mean that side of things open. Uh, well, I mean the Lost is out on the twenty fifth. Um, what's next after that? What's 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 in the pipeline? Is it? Is, have you got an idea for what you want to do? Are you working on something already? Have you got an idea for what you want to do next? Yeah, I've, I've got an idea. If you don't mind, I don't whether it's superstition or whatever, <laughs> I'm used to giving myself wiggle room in case a change plans change. <laughs> I don't like to say about that too much about at this stage what it's going to be. But no, I do have ideas for the next book, and I'm um, you know sort of moving things forward as far as that goes. But uh, yeah, but um, yeah, let's see what happens with that. Excellent. Nice. And are you? Um, able to have a proper launch for the lost now that we are sort of open up again as a society. Uh, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't normally do um, launch things so much anyway, really. So uh, it's, um, I think, provided provided the books being launched properly, I, I don't, I don't need wine in the night. <laughs> I mean, how was how was lockdown for you as a, as a writer? You know, because some people might think being a being being a writer, being forced to sit inside and write all day without any any ability to go outside and and go to the pub, etc., would be quite a good thing because it means you just you can just sit and write and bang out a book in three months. Is, <laughs> it, is it was it quite, was it quite quite a struggle? Was it harder than usual? Even though for a writer, I guess, there's not that much of a difference. In, in in terms of day to work today, it wasn't wasn't too much difference. I mean, when it came, I was I was pushing on with a loss and wanting to try and you know, meet deadlines and yeah. <laughs> missing them and all the rest of it. So, <laughs> as far as that went, it was business, business as usual. Um, it's uh, yeah, it was. I think uh, compared to an awful lot of people, I think uh, I was I was fortunate, but um, uh, I don't think it, it for me. I didn't find it um, um, a relaxing atmosphere, shall we say, to yeah. be writing dark dark stories. What's your view on um, writing about the pandemic in future books? Is it something which you would reference uh, as something that happened or would you kind of just pretend it didn't happen and just write about a nondescript year in the life of people? I don't know, to be honest. It's something that, I, I, you know, I, I, I've thought about that. Um, um, and I think it will depend on the story uh, because uh, I think the, the danger is, um, the situation is still changing, it's still in the state of flux. So yeah. I'm actually going to set something historically or um, years in the future where it could still, you know, you, you know you've know, you got some manoeuvring room, right, basically. 
Now, you don't really know what the situation is going to be too much in six or eight months time of year, hopefully a lot better. But uh, So I, I think it will depend really on when I was setting the story and what sort of story it was going to be. But, you know, again, that's down to individual writers. I think everybody's got their own. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because especially at the pace that mm. publishing works as well, even if you wrote a story that could work at the time that you've written it, by the time the book actually comes out, yeah. With it, with something like the pandemic, or or you know, other, another event that is very, very topical, everyone could but, be dead. Yeah, it could have. Well, yeah, there's there's things, no audience. Things could have moved on. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> going to go quite there. <laughs> um, what was the last book that you read? As uh, last book I read, um, it was actually um, John Birmingham. Um, it was a, a um, zero day code, I think it was. So he's a speculative writer, I suppose. And uh, it's a sort of, again, it's an, an apocryphal one, but a different, different sort of a, apocalypse, really. But uh, you know, he's a, he's a writer. Um, I, I always enjoy his stuff, and uh, yeah, that was. Well, that sounds good. I've not, I've not read that stuff yeah. yet. That is some good. Yeah. Um, what about the last film that you watched? Um, that would have been uh, not not in the cinema, but I would have watched um, Clear and Present Danger last night. Oh, nice. Classic. An oldie, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that film for years, I don't think. Uh, it held up. It's uh, awesome, yeah. Nice. Excellent. And uh, what's the last TV show that you've watched or are watching? Oh, Succession, I think, at the moment. Oh, nice. Uh, fantastic. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've not, not I've, one series, I've, I'm an episode behind at the moment, but yeah, that's a joy. Yeah, I watched the first two seasons and I've kind of box set, kind of, you know, each piece over a weekend. And then this is the first season I'm watching week by week. And it's part of me is like, I hate, I hate waiting week by week, cause if, but then I've, I'm worried about spoilers. And so is that kind of, do yeah. I just watch it? I, I feel like I'd enjoy it more watching it in a block, but then. If I've read something that ruined it for me, I'd hate yeah, it. So it's, it's that impossible yeah. first rolls <laughs> problem, really. That it's, it's quite a nice problem to have, I suppose. To to uh, and that's well, that's looking the that's the big stuff. And the very, very, very last thing we always do is a super quick fire, either or. And I always say there's only there's no right answers apart from one. Uh, the first one will go for uh, Lee Child or Kathy Reek. Reek, Reek, Reeks, Reeks, Lee Child. <laughs> just because it's easy to say uh, uh, TV or cinema uh, probably at the moment TV uh, Night Owl or Early Bird uh, Early Bird uh, a fancy restaurant or a takeaway uh, generally takeaway I suppose but uh... Oh, the fancy restaurant doesn't go on this, but uh, <laughs> the last one, uh, real book or ebook? Both, actually, depends on the book. Oh, okay, that's nice. I'm going to take that as a, as a correct yeah, answer. That. That's fine, I'll that. accept yeah. that. That's yeah. fine. Well, thanks very much to Simon for uh, coming on to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I thought it was really interesting hearing about obviously what we talked about at the start, the the sort of gap in in the mm-hmm. in the career, but also 
what he was talking about planning there, which is what we hear from a lot of our authors, which is, you know, despite the best laid plans, um, <laughs> it's often very difficult to stick to that when you actually get into the writing of it, which I think anyone that has tried to write a long form story will often find. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very difficult to keep that on rails the whole way but without feeling that you're almost, you're forcing it once the characters take on their life of their own, you're forcing them down a path sometimes and that's not the best way to and do it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know me, when I write, I like to, I like to overcomplicate things, so, which means I do have to have quite a, quite a lot written down beforehand. But at the same time, um, while that planning is invaluable, th- there comes a time when, I feel right, I now have to just start writing it and then I'll adapt it as yeah. I as I go. So Yeah. And I think having for me having those you, like yourself, you want those that plan, you want those beats to hit, maybe the ending in play, in sight, but then enough freedom to kind of move those goalposts a little bit. Yeah, definitely, goal. definitely. Yeah. So it, That's a sporting metaphor. Oh, it was. We've had quite a few of those posts. this season, Tarek. You said football. I know I'm doing quite well. I'm watching Ted Lasso. It's <laughs> Which you you don't think much of the second. I think I'm season. actually worse at worse at than him. Oh, second season was dreadful. No. Don't know what. I mean, I could do a whole podcast about how disappointed I am in season two of Ted Ted Lasso. But Coming soon. Yeah, real we, we'll save that one. We'll <laughs> yeah. save that one for another time. But um, thanks very much to Simon for coming on. Uh, if you want, if you like the sound of the lost, uh, then you can go and pick that up now. It's just out at the end of November, uh, and obviously uh, get it in time for Christmas. Um, And next week, we've got another great guest. Yeah, next week, we're chatting with John Ingold, who uh, is a British author of interactive fiction and a co-founder of Inkle, um, where they made a number of video games. Uh, Interactive video games, 80 Days was their big Mm. one back in the day, which was a kind of round the world in 80 days type of interactive story. And the most recent one is Overboard, which is a kind of reverse yeah you're trying to get away with the murder essentially which they they designed during lockdown essentially they were bored they moved off the game they were doing and quickly made this which has been a big hit but yeah it's a really smart uh, and and he's just one of their other big games was heaven's vault um, which was all about the discovery of a language and try to uh, follow that journey um which was an ingenious game but it's now he's now turned it into a two-volume story a two book story yeah. uh, which is available to buy so it, it's a really interesting chat it's a bit unusual be, uh, because chatting with someone that writes interactive fiction but as we hear um it's actually not all that different from writing a normal story in a lot of ways as well yeah the, all the planning the writing they're still working on characters motives yep. um and also we touch base a lot of things like the old fighting fantasy yep. books the choose your own adventure type stuff it's all it's very much that kind of Ballpark. Yeah, so it's it's another sporting metaphor. It was. I keep it's missing a base, these. A baseball one. That one. I'm so yeah, used no, to them I'm, now. One on top of my game. Um, oh, again, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> um, uh, no, but it's a it's a really interesting, also really fun chat. John was John was really good fun to speak to. So uh, hope you yeah, can tune in yeah. for that one. If you did enjoy today's episode, please do take the time to give us a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use, and uh, leave us a review as well if you can. That would be amazing. And of course, if anybody wants to get in touch, they could always send us a tweet in the Twitter machine, which is at right underscore gear or an email to podcast at rightgear.co.uk. But otherwise, have a great week and we'll see you next episode. See you later.